0: We've always valued, not only in this country and in the state, the importance of deliberation and and public engagement, and so I think uh, the proponents would say that these are the real values behind uh, Prop 54. It's not the way
1: our framers intended this to be, and if you don't believe in big money in politics, you should vote no.
2: Welcome back to Upvote California, a podcast for California voters. This episode is part of our 2016 California Proposition Series, where we focus on each proposition on the ballot and bring on experts to discuss both sides of the issue. I'm your host, Brian Atwood. Today's episode is about Proposition 54, the public display of legislative bills initiative, which would require the California legislature to publicly post bills for 72 hours before voting. We're fortunate to have two experts joining us for interviews today. We'll be interviewing Pete Peterson, the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, who is not an endorser of Prop 54, but will be here to discuss the arguments made by supporters. For the opposing arguments, we're joined by Upvote California regular Stephen Maviglio, chairman for Californians for an Effective Legislature. But we start each episode with a brief summary and some key facts. Currently in California, legislative procedures are open to the public, but there is no minimum time limit before they can vote on bills, and bills can be voted on shortly after they are drafted. Prop 54 would require every bill be published in print and online for at least 72 hours before the legislator could vote on it. It also requires that recordings of legislative procedures be posted within 24 hours and allows anyone to record these procedures. Supporters say vote yes on Prop 54, as more transparency in the bill-making process will help the public be more aware of the issues and help prevent special interest from backroom deal-making. Opponents say vote no, as these changes will actually allow more time for special interest to get involved and influence politicians. So Prop 54 is is fairly simple. Um, It's saying that the public needs to be informed about bills for 72 hours before they're voted on. And even though procedures are, are currently open to the public, this measure requires all these procedures to be recorded and these recordings should be posted to the Internet for public viewing. One interesting thing about this is current law in California prohibits the use of these uh, recordings to be used in political campaign ads. So Prop 54 would actually change the state law so anyone can use these videos uh, for any legitimate purpose, including political ads and without paying any fees to the state. Let's take a look at campaign financing. Prop 54 was placed on the ballot by Charles Munger Jr., a well-known political activist in California that has sponsored several propositions over the years. Over $10 million has been raised in support of Prop 54, and over 98% of that amount has come from Mr. Munger. Um, Californians for an Effective Legislator is the only PAC in opposition to Prop 54, and it has raised about $27,000. Uh, Let's switch over now to our interviews with our guests. Today we have Pete Peterson on the program to talk about the supporting arguments for Proposition 54. Pete is the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy and was a candidate for California Secretary of State in 2014. He's on the podcast today not to officially support or oppose the measure, but as someone who can help us understand the arguments made by supporters. Thank you for joining Upvote California, Pete. Great to be with you. Uh, Can you start by briefly explaining Proposition 54 to our listeners and why supporters would encourage Californians to vote yes?
0: Sure. Well, Prop 54 really has two major components. First is uh, the introduction of a 72-hour, what would be called, waiting period for uh, approval or votes on bills after they've passed out of committee. There would be a 72-hour or three-day waiting period where a bill would be posted online for uh, public and media review before an actual uh, a final vote on the measure is taken. Secondly, uh, there is the introduction of uh, videotaping of all committee hearings and floor sessions, and uh, that those uh, videotaped hearings and floor sessions would be available again online within uh, twenty four hours of the actual uh, hearing or floor session taking place
2: okay um, so what do you think the main arguments are for this uh, the 72 hour um, posting of of bills is is that just to educate the public about what's going on what what do you think the main arguments are for that that potential piece of it.
0: Well, I think in many ways the the initiative falls under the the general history of California as being a a place where uh as as in many ways uh, could be considered the home of the the progressive or good government movement here in the United States. This is seen as a as a good government measure. I know it's mm-hmm. uh Proponents are really they really see this measure as a way of introducing um, greater sunlight into the legislative process but also uh, greater transparency in measures over the years uh, there have been several instances uh, where measures um, finish up a floor debate and go immediately to a vote without uh, without a real public Discussion or viewing of a measure uh, being being uh, being voted on, and so there's uh, a desire. In fact, there have been some events over the years where uh, people have accused California state legislators of uh, backroom deals right at the very end of, uh, of a floor debate uh, that uh, certain components or line items are added to uh, particular measures that um, that legislators themselves don't really have an opportunity to understand before they're being asked to vote mm-hmm. on. So. This is really meant to introduce, A, that 72-hour period uh, between the the ending of a a debate on a measure and the final vote, uh, but also videotaping of hearings and committee uh, and floor sessions where, although there is... There has been uh, some videotaping of that through the California channel. It is not something that is done uh, for all committee hearings or or floor sessions.
2: Mm -hmm. One thing I thought was interesting about the arguments on the supporting and the opposing side is they both mention um, special interest and and right. how prop 54 would affect this so opponents say that this is going to allow special interests to get involved cuz they see these bills posted and then they they have 72 hours to sort of lobby the politicians but supporters are say this is going to keep special special interest out of these backroom deals like you mentioned so can you talk about yep. that conflicting opinion and what what do you think is yeah. actually going to happen
0: yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think it is it could be seen as a valid argument that this uh, 72 hours is opening up a, a window there where special interests could be involved. But I know the supporters would say that they're already involved. I mean, the special interests are the ones who already have lobbyists uh, in Sacramento and are already the ones who really are the most well versed and connected with uh, the system as it's currently situated Um and, and no doubt they would still be involved in the 72 hours, but I know what the proponents would say is that for the first time the public and, and more specifically the media, which I think really needs to be seen as a, uh, as a, a part of uh, the civic engagement and civic information pro, uh, process, that they would also be given a chance or a seat at the table, so to speak, in those 72 hours and be able to communicate uh, to the public the intentions of a of a particular measure. So I don't think this is seen as a way of, of pulling the special interests out. Um, it's really a way of putting the public in.
2: Okay, thanks for that clarification. Um, another thing you mentioned is that, you know, they get the bill kind of hammered down and then at the last minute, they have some kind of backroom deal um, where they change something. Um, I know that opponents say that a lot of times that's necessary. Like they, they gave mm-hmm. a specific example of passing the budget in 2009 when we had the big financial crash mm-hmm. and they needed to to kind of get that done to avoid, you know, government or, you know, the economy shutting down, this and that. Um, so. They say this is going to slow down the process, but I know that Prop 54 has a lot of supporters like the Republican Party, League of Women Voters, NAACP, that don't seem to be worried about this slowdown. Can you kind of talk about that, that point of view?
0: Yeah and, and and again I I think that there is uh there's a point made by the opponents of the measure that it introduces the the prospect of of slowing down the legislative process uh there certainly have been a couple examples that could be um that could be cited of of these backroom deals uh making the um, legislative process more quote-unquote efficient Um, but at the same time i think it's really all about trade-offs and i think one of the things that um, many of the proponents and specifically the groups that you just outlined are interested in is really bringing greater uh, public awareness of, of some of these measures, and they're willing to make the trade-offs that in the instances where it might introduce more debate, uh, that that debate would really be coming from uh, a public that has, has become better informed mm-hmm. about the issue. Okay. So I think it is a valid argument to say that it might delay some measures, but that delay, uh, certainly the in, in the uh, intentions of the proponents, would be coming from a better informed
2: public. Okay. Um, one other aspect that I wanted to ask you about is about the um, recording of legislative procedures um, that now mm-hmm. with Prop 54, anyone can record these procedures. I think opponents say that a lot of these procedures are already recorded and, and available publicly, but I know you mentioned that that, that wasn't quite true. Um, but uh, why why do you think this change is a, is a good thing um, for California? Specifically... Um, the removal of the uh, clause against using these recordings for political pur- political advertising and political purposes
0: well i 'll just say and this is more on a personal note, you know the as someone who 's run for statewide office here as an outsider, so many of the benefits. To running for po- political office, whether it's a, a legislative office or another, even one of the statewide offices. So many of the benefits go to those who are already in the system. And uh, one of the ways that those benefits, I think, uh, can at least be moderated, is by getting a better understanding of what these uh, politicians are doing while in office. And these are meant to be public hearings, right? Um, you know, these are conducted in open. They are um, they are uh, noticed. Uh, they are held in rooms where people can come and listen. But the simple fact that they're held in Sacramento uh, and we're a state of 37 million people where most people live in Southern California, uh, just saying that you're having a public hearing doesn't really mean that we can see it. Mm -hmm. And so we have the technology available to us to uh, videotape and post online and make available uh, these hearings. It is being done to a degree, as you say, uh, through the California channel, but not being done across all hearings. And so uh, at to the first question, I think it is it is important that for especially hearings that are ostensibly public to make them as public as possible by videotaping and putting them online. But to the second question about the, them, the prospect of some of these videos being used in political uh, commercials. If if they're meant in a positive way, I'm sure none of the politicians would mind uh, using their own statements in hearings uh, mm-hmm. in their own political advertisements. But if they've said something that's either untoward or in a policy where others may disagree, then opponent an opponent should be able to use that as well, especially, again, because these are public hearings. So it's just a matter of using the videotape from that public hearing uh, in In a possible campaign commercial.
2: Yeah, I think that's an interesting way of looking at that. Um, Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to ask you one final question. Uh, Voters have a lot to decide on this election. Seventeen state proposition, tons of local ballot measures. When listeners head into the poll and they see Prop Fifty Four on the ballot, what do you think supporters would say is the most important thing for them to remember?
0: Well, I think it really is about uh, sunlight being the greatest disinfectant, as has been said, and and uh, and also that this is really in keeping with a California tradition of of trying to make government uh, of by and and for the people and and again it's not really um, making something um, more transparent it's just using the technology we have available to make uh, public hearings as public as possible and to make sure that we're encouraging uh, public engagement within that 72-hour period which We've always valued, not only in this country and in the state, the importance of deliberation and, and public engagement. And so I think uh, the proponents would say that these are the real value, values behind uh, Prop 54.
2: Mm-hmm. And I know you're not uh, involved with uh, the supporting side and, and the advocation, but do you know if there's a website that listeners can go to to learn more about this if, if they want to get more information Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I I think really one of the best is, uh, and and it's a nonpartisan site, but I I think Ballotpedia does a great job on this. If you just Google uh, Prop 54, uh, Ballotpedia is usually one of the top hits uh, sites on that. I think it does a great job of uh, explaining it. And I think at the same time, uh, even our ballot information packets that are are created, uh, I think uh, can be helpful in this as well.
2: Okay, that's great. Well, Pete, we really want to thank you for the time uh, for your time. That was very, very helpful.
0: Thanks so much. A pleasure being with you.
2: Now we'll switch over to our other guest to hear opposing arguments. We want to welcome Stephen Maviglio back to Upvote California to talk about the opposing side for Proposition Fifty Four. Stephen has served in many political positions in New Hampshire, Washington D.C., and California, and is now a political consultant based in Sacramento. He is a chairman for the Californians for an Effective Legislature, which is a registered opponent against Proposition 54. Thank you for joining Upvote California again, Stephen.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh,
2: Can you start off by briefly explaining Prop 54 to our listeners and why it is important for Californians to vote no?
1: Sure. Uh, It's a very inside baseball kind of initiative, the kind of thing that shouldn't be on our ballot because it is a very limited application. And Uh, It's uh, basically a a change in the rules of the way the legislature works, hamstringing legislators from doing the jobs we've elected them to do. There's several components of it. The first part will will require a 72-hour notice and printing of any bill before it's voted on by the legislature. Uh, That has large and impactful consequences. Uh, Many of our major bills that we've had in the state of California have been the result of a lot of deal making uh, back and forth to get approval and amendments and other details correct that happen over a period of months, sometimes years before they're actually enacted. And once the legislators do get agreement, they put the bill on the floor and move it to the next house and then it goes to the governor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, as they say sau is making and legislating shouldn 't be watched it 's not pretty uh there, there's a lot of inside tension and heat, and because lobbyists have such a great influence in the capital, the lawmakers put these bills uh, into print and vote on them uh, very quickly mm-hmm. and By allowing three days, that will allow special interest to pry these deals apart. Uh, For example, imagine if you would, if the finally was a deal about gun safety and the NRA found out about it three days ahead of time, you can bet your bottom dollar they would pour every bit of resources that they had available to blow up that deal, to twist arms with more lobbying, to take out advertisements and do whatever they could to make sure that deal didn't happen. And that's what we're trying to prevent against. When you look at the major legislation passed by the legislature in the last few years, actually decades, uh, dating back to the Fair Housing Act, which ended racial discrimination in California housing, or our climate change law, AB 32, or the minimum wage this year, or the drought relief package last year, these are all big issues that weren't snuck in in the middle of the night. They were talked about for months and months, but a deal was made. And then it was voted on almost immediately. The biggest result of this uh, was in 2009 when, for more than nine months, the state budget was being debated. And finally, uh, because it was so harmful to so many special interests, the group of four bipartisan leaders agreed on a deal, put it on the floor, and got it passed. Uh, the president pro tem of the Senate back then, Daryl Steinberg, had said if the 72-hour rule were in place, they never would have passed, and the state would have gone bankrupt. So sometimes they have to be able to stand up to lobbyists, and they do it by putting a bill in print and voting on it quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the main arguments the supporters have is that you know putting these bills online for seventy-two hours gives more transparency and prevents special interests from passing laws behind closed doors. But I think your argument is that um, it actually allow special interests to get more involved. Um, can you just maybe talk in a little bit more detail about that? Yeah,
1: you know, as much as I'd like to believe it, and it sounds very romantic that citizens will be able to see bills and they'll all be able to weigh in and I, you know, it's just not the reality of ways that bills are made anymore in Sacramento for better or worse. What happens is, is they'll get out uh, of the lobbyists and special interests will get hold of the amendments and then try to go back and twist legislators' arms to vote against them. hmm and uh, I think that's simply not good. Uh, we also have to remember from our basic civic lessons that any bill has to go through two houses and signed by the governor. So there's ample time for citizens to comment on something they don't like or something that was allegedly snuck in in the middle of the night or whatever the proponents are charging here uh, because it has to go as two other stops before it becomes law. It's not like it instantly becomes law.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, one, one interesting thing, I thought about this measure is that it's it's basically being financed by a single individual on the order of ten million dollars. This person put it on the, and you know on the ballot and financed the whole thing. Can you talk a little bit about that and what the motivations um, for that individual might be?
1: Well, there's nothing else like it on the ballot. While a lot of millionaires have contributed to a lot of other initiatives this year, there's only one person in the entire state of California who has made a donation to this campaign. One person. And this billionaire, whose name is Charles Munger Jr., has a very narrow political agenda. He spent more than $120 million of his own money in the last few years trying to dictate laws, elect candidates, and now is using the initiative process for his own narrow political agenda. And I think on the face of it, it's just wrong. Mm -hmm. His motivations Mm -hmm. seem to be that he says this is all about transparency. But when you scratch the surface of that argument, it mean, What he's trying to do here is slow down the action of our very progressive legislature in getting things done. There's no other reason for it. His record is very clear in opposing increased funding for education and opposing increases in the minimum wage. He's even sued communities when they've come to agreement on pension reform. Uh, I mean, he is an extremist who's using his money, throwing his weight around as the number one donator to the California Republican Party, and now this is his way of trying to stop Democrats from getting things done in California. And I think it's just wrong that one person can be allowed to do
2: that. Mm-hmm. On the um, official voter pamphlet, I noticed that there's, there's quite a few organizations that are supporting Prop 54, including the Republican Party, um, the League of Women Voters, the NAAC, you know, several city councils. Um, can you talk about why these organizations would support it and why you think that support is misplaced?
1: Well, I can I can't speak for all of them, but I can tell you if you look at the long list of people who are endorsing it, they all have one thing in common: they all have lobbyists in Sacramento. Whether they're on the left or on the right. They all have people in Sacramento that represent special interests theirs and lobbyists that try want to get a hold of bills before they're moved on the floor of the legislature. And you know, it's uh, it, it, we also have to remember that Mr. Munger was also the author of the top two primary here in California the new elections that is forcing uh, voters to choose, in many cases, between two two Democrats and two Republicans Mm -hmm. instead of some candidate they identify with. Um, This is all part of his agenda to try to make the legislature uh, more responsive to corporations than people and more responsive to the minority party Republicans than being able to get things done.
2: Okay. I appreciate that explanation. Um, Well, I kind of want to start wrapping this one up. Um, If... Uh, voters are going to have a lot to decide on this election. As we've talked about, there's, there's 17 statewide measures. There's tons of local measures in all the, the cities and municipalities. When they walk in to the, the voting booth, they see Prop 54 on the ballot. What's the key thing that you want them to remember?
1: Well, I'd also like to highlight another provision we haven't talked about, oh, and okay. that is one that will allow for the very first time in California's constitutional history the ability of someone from the outside, anyone, you, me, um, political campaign firms, to go in and take a video of the legislative proceedings and use those in political ads. The language is very explicit. It allows it for political advertising, the result of which is going to be two things. A lot of grandstanding by incumbent members who will make speeches for cameras that you'll see in TV commercials, and conversely. Uh, speeches that are taken out of contacts and snipped into five-second soundbites that will become political attack ads. Forty-five other states do not have this. Congress does not have this. It's uh, very sad to see that now our airwaves are might be filled with more negative advertisings because of this, and because it's in the Constitution, it won't be able to be undone unless voters do it. The mm-hmm. legislature did pass a law allowing it this year, but that can always be undone uh, when the negative consequences are seen. Mm-hmm. So that's another key provision that's under the radar. And it's very interesting that this provision was added to this whole idea of Prop 54. This year, This, this uh, what is Prop 54 was included in Prop 31 a few years ago that was soundly rejected by voters. and. Um, it also was part of an ideas competition by Tim Draper, who was the billionaire who wanted to cut up California into six pieces. Uh, that provision was not in that either. It was added only this year after Mr. Munger, the top Republican contributor, uh, got a hold of this and decided to make it his uh, pet cause of the year. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I think voters should remember that provision, and they should not want to tie up the hands of the legislature they elected to get things done. You know, voters always have the ability to vote no uh, on people that they don't like or vote for their opponents. And legislators themselves also have the opportunity to vote no on bills they haven't seen or think of as being done in the middle of the night. Uh, I think this is a very unnecessary provision that will make things a lot more difficult. Uh, to get things done. There's not even an exception for grammar or typos mistakes. Everything will have to wait three more days. And for a legislature that's only in session a few months a year, it's going to just be a nightmare.
2: Well, I appreciate you pointing that out because I think a lot of the summaries just mentioned the the 72-hour 70, uh, public disclosure. They don't really talk about that um, that new ability for people to film and use those for, for political advertisements. Current, currently, that's it's not legal to, to take those proceedings and, and use them for political advertisements. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for pointing that out. Um, okay, I'm going to um, ask you then the question we always ask, which is uh, when voters go into the voting booth, they see Prop 54 on the ballot. What's, what's the one key thing that you want them to remember?
1: Uh, I think voters should know that this will give special interests vast new powers to hold up the ability of elect our elected officials to do their job. That's why every special interest in California is lobbying hard for that. And uh, I think voters have to hold their elected officials accountable and not try to tie up their hands to uh, get things done and move California forward. And I think we also should stay, take a very strong stand against a billionaire who single-handedly is trying to rewrite our Constitution. That's not the way our framers intended this to be. And if you don't believe in big money in politics, you should vote no.
2: Okay, thank you. Is there um, anything you can say to listeners that want to learn more or get involved? Is there a website they can they can read more about this issue?
1: Yes, there is a website. It's no on Proposition54.com, mm-hmm. and also a Twitter feed, NoProp54. Uh, there's many groups that have uh, uh, lined up against this, including the California Democratic Party, the California Labor Federation, the Courage Campaign, uh, California National Organization of Women, and many former legislators who are looking at us and saying, wow, this will really screw up our legislature even worse. So uh, I hope people join them and vote no.
2: That's great. Thank you very much for your time today, and thanks for joining Upvote California. You're welcome. That wraps up our episode on Prop 54. Thank you for listening. We want to thank our guests, Pete Peterson and Stephen Maviglio, for joining the podcast today. If you want to learn more about supporting Prop 54, check out yesprop54.org. Or if you want to learn about the opposing arguments, check out No on Proposition54.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Upvote Podcast or on our website, UpvoteCalifornia.com. Thanks again for listening. See you at the polls.